If you would bow your heads with me, dear God, we come to you now at the appointed time. And dear God, we just ask that you just speak directly to us. Let us hear your message for what it is and allow us to go out and live it. And we do it all in Christ's name. Amen. We've been uh, talking about taking the foundations in the Bible and the teachings in the Bible and uh, using them to help try make some sense out of this crazy year 2020. And uh, isn't it crazy that we're getting ready to go into December? Isn't that crazy to think that December is already going to be upon us? And um, <laughs> we, we, we started out this year with, uh, with I, I don't know if you remember, but the Servant Series uh, 2020 vision and talking about, you know, the becoming an impact, uh, people of impact and the things that we could do out into the, the community and how we could... Uh, kind of um, make our footprint larger in this community. And it, and it seems like uh, um, just the devil in, in the world has just kind of pushed back on us all year long and made some things impossible to do and uh, some things unhealthy to do, dangerous to do. And so we, it's been a, it's been a trying year. And uh, we've looked at some things in the, in the Bible here about uh, even in a, in a year as trying as 2020 has, um, you know, it's a, there are biblical foundations that you can still build upon and that we can still be people of impact. And um, to, to finish up this sermon series, there are some very specific, some very specific instructions that are laid out to us through the Gospels and are through the, through the New Testament. And uh, in fact, uh, it's, it's just, it's very impactful teaching by, um, by Paul, and he is actually talking to people who are in very um, tumultuous times. Uh, their their lives are in danger. Um, it, it's hard for them to meet, and uh, he they are in missionary type situations. And um, even in in a year like 2020, there's still things to be joyful about. There's still things to be thankful about. And there are still things that we can build upon and we can learn about. And um, if, you're, if you have your Bible with you or your phone or whatever, I'm going to ask you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're going to start in the 12th verse. And uh, these are the final instructions that, that Paul gives in this letter. And uh, these, are, these are instructions that we can take as, as Christians and... Um, we can take as a church and we can um, decide that this is this these are the next steps for us we've decided that uh, you know love conquers all and that we are going to stay together as a church we're going to stay united as a church our message is not going to change jesus christ is still the son of god who died on the cross for each and every one of us to give us eternal life that is the message that's the message of Jesus Christ. And our job is to go out and to present that in word and action and through our giving and through our living, our forgiveness, our grace, our mercy. And uh, he gives us some uh, instructions here as kind of a, as a rallying point, as a rallying speech to the church, to the members inside of the church in the way that we are supposed to react to a world that maybe despises us, persecutes us, 
and doesn't believe anything else that we believe in. And uh, this, is, uh, this is his final instructions of this letter. And I think they are extremely fitting and they just seem to fit right now where we are as a church. Okay, so um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we're starting in verse 12. And it says, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. That's verses 12 and 13. And I, I just I just want to take a moment and uh, just to, to kind of let just kind of reflect on why that is such a strong foundational starting point. All right, because I think that when we get up and we preach love and that love conquers all and you should love your enemy and you should be uh, have love in, inside of your homes and inside of churches and, and you should uh, pray for your leaders and you should do all of this. You know, that sounds good, and in theory, that is uh, that sounds like uh, make it happen. But here's, here is where we are as a people. If we just want to be straight out honest as a people, here, here's where we are as a people, okay? And one of, the, one of the things that we are quickly losing if we have not almost lost the battle, it's the, it's the idea and the fundamental teaching of respect. And I'm going to tell you, I, Linda Simpson, she just passed away, I think, this last couple of years. And she was my third grade teacher, all right? She, uh, she, she actually put the paddle to me. Um, me and my buddies, we, had a, we started a gang, and uh, we, were, we were gonna be rough, and, and we, it was a rainy day, and we were in the little gym up at Hillcrest, or uh, the grade school, I still call it Hillcrest, but my kids always say, what's Hillcrest? And I say, well, that's a grade school. So we were up in the, in the little gym, um, at, up at Hillcrest and uh, you know there were too many kids in there it was a rainy day we were all packed in there and me and my friends were running around and, and acting tough and, and just just running like kids do well we knocked a couple girls down hit their heads on the wall they cried went to the nurse had to call their parents and so after recess Linda Simpson my teacher she said I heard we got some some tough guys they call themselves the Cougars and we were all kind of looking around like yeah and he said, so if you're a member, she said, if you're a member of the Cougars, I want you to stand up. And we stood up all proud, you know, like, yeah, yeah. She said, all right, I'll let you out in the hallway. And she spanked every one of us for being, you know, crazy and acting like idiots, all right? So, um, but the one thing I remember about Linda Simpson is every morning before we did anything else in school after we took role, we did the Pledge of Allegiance to the United States and we sang the Star Spangled Banner every single morning, all right? And then the idea there is that she was going to teach us respect, respect for all people, and uh, regardless of their state, and uh, regardless of, of what they've done, um, we can always treat people with respect. And something, something that we're losing, something that we're losing is that, um, you know, you say, well, they don't deserve respect. That, that might be right, but, but God is asking us to treat people with dignity, treat people with respect. Now, there's, there's times when you have to be admonished. That's in the verse right there. There's times when people mess up and, and people fall. They're all human. Even the, the, the best of men are still men at best. 
Okay? And um, so one thing that, that I think that is crumbling and one of the things that we are losing is the idea in the fundamental teaching of respect. Because if, if, if you extrapolate that out and, and you take a where you're going to end up trying to teach people to love people, they have to first learn how to respect people. And if there's not an idea of respect there, then how do you ever get them to love somebody without respect? Those go hand in hand, all right? And so a lot of times if you think about, um, you know, somebody is disrespectful to their teacher, somebody's disrespectful to, to uh, you know, like the principal, uh, somebody grows up and be disrespectful to their boss, you know, a lot of times we learn that at home when parents talk about how terrible the leaders are in the schools, uh, how bad the coaches are, okay, how bad politicians are. And, and I'm not saying you have to agree with anything. Don't, this is not a political speech, so don't hear it wrong, all right? But here's the deal, is that you can disagree with people, but at some point, if we are going to come back together as a civilization, and if we're going to be able to treat each other and work out problems, there, we have to do it in a way that we respect each other. Because if we continue to just sit down and look at each other in hatred and scream at each other, then this world is just going to continue to go to the extreme. And, and you're going to end up in one corner of the extreme. Because if you're not in an extreme right now, you feel lost. In the middle, right? Am I wrong or is it just me? I mean, if you're if you're somewhere in the middle of the extremes that are going on in this country right now, you feel kind of lost. And one of the things that one of the things that I can remember growing up is that my papa demanded respect. Okay, and and he taught respect. And I remember him telling, you know, if if you if you talk back to Mamma in his house. He flat out told you, no one disrespects Hazel Phelps in my house. And it was, a, it was respect. And, uh, you know, at my house, the, the principal at the high school was always right. You get it? He was my dad. So anyways. But we, but used to, used to, and, and when you guys, a lot of you guys were growing up and you got in trouble at school, you got beat when you got home too, or got in trouble when you got home. Nowadays, what they do is they go up and, and you know, threaten the, the schools and, 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 you know, no kids ever run. Unless I got kids of my own. I understand this, all right? So, but if we're ever going to get anywhere that resembles any kind of loving civilization, then it has to be respect. And, and it has to be taught, and it has to be taught in the church. And you don't always have to agree, and, and we're not always going to be right on the decisions that we make. But we do have to teach that each person should be treated with dignity and there should be a level of respect that is taught. And I think that that is something that the Bible is very clear about. And it says, hold them in the highest regard and love. There it is. So see, there, there's a translation is that in order to get to a place to where you can actually love someone and lift them up, because what he's saying is you got to lift them up to a point to where you to where you love them. So in order to get there, you have to have a form of respect. And it says because of their work. Now, you, you understand what that says? It's not saying love them because of who they are, love them or what their last name is, love them for what what 
is, you know, whatever kind of affiliation they have or how much money they make, but love them for their work. Love them for how they are as a human, okay? So our leaders are there. They may not be good leaders sometimes. They may not be the greatest. Sometimes they're wrong. A lot of times they're wrong, but there has to be a level, a level of respect so that we can come away with the idea that we love them as humans because that's our, that's our charge as Christians to love people. And then we can start to truly pray and lift up and then start maybe conquering some of these problems. And it says, I, I urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Now, that's, a, that's, a, that's kind of a condemning statement right there. And, and here's the deal. And, I, and I'll, just, I'll just make this real plain and simple, okay? It says, warn those who are idle, right? Those are the, those are the ones who are not serving. You, you got to be honest with yourself. Am I serving? In what kind of way am I serving? How am I called to serve? We have to respond to the calling God puts into your heart. That's first and foremost. That's your calling. That's what God puts you on this earth to do. He's calling you. How do you respond? And if you're idle, then there needs to come a warning with that. Because we will have to answer for our idleness. You get what I'm saying? We will have to answer for our idleness. And, and the sin of omission sometimes can be the most damaging sin when we don't do something that we're called to do or we don't do something that we were supposed to do or the urging of the turning away of the spirit when it's urging us to do something so warn the idle and also warn the disruptive the the ones who just stir the pot just trying to keep trouble brewing and something going on that's not healthy that's not right so we're to warn those people, encourage the disheartened. Oh my Lord, what a statement in today. I know every single person either watching on Facebook or, or in this parking lot, you know somebody right now who's ready to give up. And I mean, this, this year has beat people down. And I'm just telling you there, I'm just telling you there are people hurting. And when I say they're hurting, I'm talking about a family of five that's living in a Honda Civic right now. Right now. At this, they spent last night, like they had the last two weeks, the five kids, or three kids and two adults living in a Honda Civic. That's happening right here. People are disheartened. People are ready to give up. They're ready to cash it in. I'm telling you, we can't, we can't be people that allow that to happen because we can't, we can't be idle. We can't be the disruptors. We can't sow seeds of disrespect. We have to be the people of encouragement. We have to be the people who lift people up who are ready to give up. We have to be the ones that keep them strong, that they can feel the strength of Jesus Christ flowing through us, that they feel the love of Jesus Christ flowing through us to them. Encourage the disheartened. And then it always says, help the weak. People fall down. People want to give up. People, 
And just be honest with yourself. Service is valleys and highs. Sometimes you feel like doing it. Sometimes you don't. And you'll have to get through the valleys to experience the highs. And there are times when we feel weak. And we as a family, we should be able to come together. And you should be able to identify that people are in a period of weakness. And, and, and you should have people in your life that you feel comfortable enough and you feel safe enough to confide in them to say, hey, I'm in a, I'm in a weak spot right now. I need you. And then we have to be people of encouragement, people of support. And it says, be patient. Anybody need any patience? Everybody needs patience. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Oh my. That's that's I don't I don't even I don't even really know how to address that right now. I mean this is we I mean we live in a in a mean world and, and people are vengeful and they seek vengeance and it consumes them. And I'm just telling you that if you're a vengeful person and you've got vengeance in your heart right now, none of this other stuff can take place. Because that is an all-consuming part of your life. But always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. We should strive to help. We should strive to be people. And then this is, this is one of the toughest words you'll ever... It's, it's a magnificent statement, but it's also a very blunt and, and, and it's a tough statement. Rejoice always. How do you do that? With all that's going on in the world, with, with things that are going on and, and people are being beaten down, sickness just seems to just be prevalent in all kinds of lives. How, how can you rejoice? And, and here, here, is the, here is the secret to that. To have Jesus Christ in your soul. If you got Jesus Christ in your soul, even in the midst of a storm, even in the worst times of this life, you can still rejoice because you know that regardless of what happens in this life, Jesus Christ is going to be there. He's always going to be there. He will never leave you, never forsake you, can never be separated from his love. And even in the worst of times, if our lives are centered on Jesus Christ and on his love and his sacrifice and what that means to us, it means eternal life. It means that we go on and live forever. And what a, what a promise to know that once we're done with this life, we immediately go into a life surrounded with our loved ones and we walk streets of gold hand in hand with Jesus Christ forever and ever to live in the mansion that he went away to prepare for us and he took back took us back to live there forever so if your heart is centered if your soul is centered on christ then you can truly have joy even in the worst of times and then you can give thanks in all circumstances because your heart is centered on jesus christ because here's here's the truth and, and here's the bluntness of my preaching so I apologize to you, kind of, but too many times our lives are focused on us. Too many times I focus on Aaron. And I've noticed that when I focus, this is 
call and what he's placed into my life, then my troubles seem to diminish a little bit. And I seem to quit concentrating so much on what's wrong on this world. And then I see a little bit of joy and I see a little bit of thanksgiving. And it makes this world bearable. And you see that Jesus Christ can change this world. Jesus Christ is the only thing that can change this world. And then here's the, here's the reason why we've been asked to do this. Because it's God's will for us. We're to treat people with respect so that we can eventually look at them and love them. Jesus is, a, is the kind of God that asks us to pray for our enemies. Pray blessings into their lives. How do you do that? You do that because your life is centered. Your soul is centered on Jesus Christ. And if your soul is truly centered and filled with the Holy Spirit, then you can give thanks in any kind of situation and rejoice in any kind of trouble. In that we do this and we strive for this because it is God's will for us. And then there's one more warning. There's one more warning in verse 19. And if you write in your Bible or you make note, make a note of verse 19. And here's the deal. Because we're all selfish, including me. We all want to center everything on it. And, and, I, and I hear you. I, 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 I hear myself sometimes when I hear myself say words like, well, yeah, I hear you saying that, but yeah, I'm not going to do that. Or you don't know what they did to me. Or yeah, I, I, you don't know how much I hate that guy. Or you don't know, you don't, you, you know, and I'm supposed to like that guy. That guy's an idiot. And look what all they've done. How horrible, you know, I hear myself saying that. And you start backing off and you start backing off. And you know what you're doing? Look at verse 19. You are quenching the spirit. Quenching the spirit. And it says, do not ever quench the spirit. The Holy Spirit is supposed to be driving us, pushing us, encouraging us, admonishing us. That is how we pray without ceasing. It's not put your hands together, get on your knees and say a bunch of words and go through a laundry list of here's what I need by Thursday. But a true prayer is when you are listening to the Holy Spirit and you are responding to the Holy Spirit. Never quench the Spirit. Never quench the Spirit because that's when you slide backwards into disrespect and unloving and we become unforgiving and the worst of all is we become selfish and that's the greatest that's the worst thing that happens in our lives is when we become selfish we take our eyes off of Jesus and then you remember what Peter what happened to Peter when he takes took his eyes off of Jesus when he was walking on the water what happened he sank don't ever quench the spirit so if you will bow your heads with me, dear God, we come to you now and we take your teachings. We know they're tough. We know they're, they're bold. And dear God, we just ask that you just allow us to come together in a way that we can, we can live up to this teaching. We can be a people of respect, of love. We can be a people of service. We can be a, a people that are thankful. 
a people that rejoice in all circumstances. And dear God, we just ask that you just allow us to always hear your calling, always be driven by your spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.